you're listening to the Quiet Rebels podcast, episode number 37. And I want you to take this episode and use it almost like a survival guide if you're going to conferences or workshop or any live event this year. And this episode actually pairs very well with episode number four, which is how to network as an introvert. And that episode is more about the strategies of how you can make the most out of the event. And this episode is particularly focused on the relationships that you build with the attendees. And uh, who knows, maybe the speakers themselves. And what I love about this conversation is that it's steered so organically and we wound up getting to a point where my special guest was actually critiquing one of the introductions that I, basically one of the times that I met a prolific person in the industry. And that was like totally sprung upon him. We did not plan that in advance, but I thought it was a really great kind of example to provide of what can happen when you meet someone who you can kind of get all stargazed over because I myself personally, I do get a little bit starstruck sometimes when I meet someone who I really admire. And so it's very interesting how that came about. And so we wound up talking about different scenarios. So that is if someone is super prolific and you have a somewhat kind of connection with them. Um, For example, if you follow their work and you've been a student of theirs perhaps. And then next we go on to a scenario about when you meet a prolific person who you don't have any connection with prior whatsoever. So it's kind of like going in completely cold. And finally, which is one of the most common, is when you actually make a connection with a peer or colleague of yours. So a fellow attendee, and you're kind of there for the exact same reason at that live event. And so it's really interesting how there are common threads and some differences between each of these scenarios. So I really hope that you can take the lessons on board that my special guests provide and see how you can best apply it for your life when you are building authentic relationships and building connections at live events. So let's get into it. This is the place to be if you want the courage to live your life and run your business in a way that's true to you. Contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. But here's the thing, there's no time for you to be playing small anymore because you can make an impact on the people you want to help in this world by showing up and owning your message. And it is my personal mission to support you on your journey with every single episode. I am your host, Meike Sang, and it is my honor to welcome you to The Quiet Rebellion. Let's dive in. Hello, my dear Quiet Rebels. I am so excited for this interview today because I actually know this person in real life and he is the true embodiment of what he's actually going to be talking about today. So this is with none other than James Turner and he's going to be talking with us about networking and relationship building for a sustainable business. So James, welcome on board to the Quiet Rebels podcast. Thank you very much, Mickey. It's great to be on here. Awesome. I feel like I'm in my place. (laughs) <laughs> you are and when we like before we even jumped on to the the call today you mentioned to me like yeah one of my biggest strengths is being able to be myself in three seconds like of meeting anyone mm. it just blows my mind it takes me quite a bit of time to do that and I'm sure my quiet rebels also feel the same so so how did you get started in this how did that become your strength and what is your story that has led you here today okay yeah I, I yeah, and so I think I've really kind of come into realizing that that is it's that that moment when you realize something that you think is easy is actually really hard. And I had that moment, you know, maybe six years, seven years ago with writing. I was like, oh, you mean what I do naturally is actually a, a valued skill? Oh, perhaps 
copywriting is a thing for me. So that, that was how I got into that. And then I'm just sort of rethinking how to present myself to the world and, and in our mutual friend, Rob Marsh, uh, has really helped bring out that fact in me that I can kind of network with people, uh, you know, without feeling like it's networking or whatever. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, honestly, when I first met you, because uh, for those of you who don't know, James and I, we actually are in the same mastermind by the Copywriter Club. And Rob Marsh is one of the founders and the other is Kira Hug. And so James and I, we met in Charleston for the first time in real life. And out of everybody who was there, like, don't get me wrong, I love the rest of our mastermind, but you were one of the people who was so easy to gravitate towards and to feel comfortable with and I was like how did this guy do this and so I'm excited for you to actually delve into this a bit more because for us quiet rebels many of us are actually introverts and we have some extra mm. audience but either way when you're meeting new people because us being online business owners we do have to talk to people in order for our business to grow and to be yeah. like sustainable right so yeah like how do you do it <laughs> I think so. I think one of my definite keys for me is, is one-on-one. I found that like whilst I can meet kind of anyone without being, um, you know, dazzled or sort of, <laughs> you know, that feeling if you meet someone, you're like, Oh my God, I can't even talk to this person. I kind of never really feel like that. Cause I, I see the sort of human behind every large or small personality. You know, there's like this common thread where it's just like, we've got the same problems. We're on the same page at some level. And that's true literally with everyone in the world. Even if you can't speak their language, there's this common sort of set of needs that we're ultimately just trying to fulfill. And if you can kind of tap into that, I think you can go, that that is maybe sort of <laughs> tip one. It's just, yeah, right. Get, get right down to it. Um, I mean, I, I have some sort of working theories because I obviously am I'm like looking back on my life and wondering, how is it that I'm like this? And, and one of them, I think, is that my parents um, always had me around other adults. Like, I think I spent more time around other adults as a child than other children. Um, and I think that really helps uh, because you, you, I, I learned to, to talk to all different kinds of people without really having to pretend to be anything, which I find happens more in a peer-to-peer setting as you're growing up. Um, Maybe that's just my own specific experience. I'm not sure. My parents are both in musical theater, so I was around a lot of musical theater types. We do they do a show every year and stuff, so a lot of fun. Um, So that that's kind of like my my like deep origin story. How I feel Um, since I was around 15, I've been in bands. So I've I've been. What did you play? I play guitar and sing uh, and write songs. So I've been in you know, four or five bands uh, through different stages of my life and always one of or the front man. And yet go back to what I said about public speaking, like hated that feeling, <laughs> but totally comfortable once it was like, you know, playing the song. As long as I could keep it to, to minimal dialogue in between songs, I'd be, I'd be fine. Wow. And, and that puts you in a lot of positions of connecting with people too, right? Because... Mm. Um, if you're trying to sort of project this inner self as part of your performance, you kind of have to learn to get away all the the facade of Mm. whatever, you you know, pompousness that you think you want to be like this or like that and just kind of realize that 
it feels best when you are just being how you really are. Mm. So. Oh, let's let's definitely break this down a little bit more. Yeah. So, uh, like I'm thinking, okay, I mean that that was a great setting that you have had, like being around adults since you were a child. That meant that you, I don't know. Sometimes when we're around certain people, we feel like we need to be. Come a certain way in order to communicate with them, but it sounds like you've never had it, that kind of barrier. Definitely not um, ever. Okay, I'll not never. That. Yeah, okay. no, it, no. Ha- it happened, but just not a lot. <laughs> yeah, and that, as well as the fact that you've been in several bands, and so you know what it's like to put yourself out there in front of people within your own parameters. But you mentioned that you had to keep the dialogue to a minimum when it came to like. That sort of appearance when you are on a stage versus like being on the same level as people. So, how does this all come to play now in your business? I'm very curious because I have a great idea of how it does play into your business because we are connecting right now.、Mm. But how has it served you in your business as well as your personal life? Actually, um, I find that I'm. I, Well, like like I, we were talking about a little bit before, one if if you can get rapport with someone almost right away, and so how it served me is I think I'm really good at sharing, and I'm not I'm not、um, I'm not shy talking about myself. Like I don't feel I'm being braggy because I I know I really truly know and internalize that everyone kind of wants that sort of vulnerability vulnerability. So it's not like. And obviously, if you just blast someone's ear off talking about yourself, they're not going to like that. But if you share a little personal detail, you've you've sort of opened yourself up in a way.、Mm. And I think that most people relax when that happens because then there's this feeling of like, okay, like they're they're wow, they're sharing the details of their life with me, or they're you know. Because second to that is, I think a lot of the、uh, the best thing about Being good at talking to people is actually just being good at listening、mm. to people. Like、mm. n- people will have a conversation where they say almost nothing,、uh, and say it was one of their best conversations because it's like the first time that they felt listened to and felt heard. Like a combination of like being able to confidently share interesting little stories that make people think, "Oh, that's interesting." Like, "Oh, you're in a band." <laughs> oh, you're, you're you know, or your parents did theater. Like little details. Now I'm like more real in their mind, and then. Flip it to like asking them, and then they feel they're in a safe place or whatever. You know, they're comfortable sharing. And this applies. You said, how does it apply to personal and business? I, I honestly have a really hard time ever seeing the difference between personal and business. I, I know that there is one, but I really、um, like. I'll, I'll embarrass my wife sometimes by just being real, like in the checkout line at the supermarket. You know,、yeah. I'm, I'm just willing to just. Go there, and if someone if someone's like making a joke that I would make back, or you know what I mean, like I, I just I don't I'm no longer embarrassed by、uh, just being authentic to to use it. Hmm. Yeah. This still baffles my mind because I mean there are there are coaches, there are mentors, there are courses all about how to be your authentic self, and it sounds like you really do have it off the bat. I mean, like. My dear Quiet Rebels, as you listen to this episode, do you not feel the confidence and ease that James has? Because I do, <laughs> and <laughs> and his presence is exactly the same online as it is offline. It's very calm, very inviting. It's warm, 
no pressure and it just feels real. So one question I had um, a little bit further back in this interview is you said that, you know, there's a common thread between you and anyone, no matter how famous they are, or like, that's not how, how you said it, but, <laughs> but like, that's what I mean. Yeah, but for anyone sure. who's like on a pedestal, for example, because of all their achievements, all their success, and you see them just as a normal person who has the same fears and struggles as you do. So my question is, I think what draws me back personally is I don't want to come across as disrespectful or disregarding their success that I perceive mm. them to have. And so how do you get over that mindset block? Because clearly you must do it in a really respectful way because you are, you are able to build these relationships very easily. So how do you kind of get over that um, fear of wanting to come across as respectful of their time and yet also be open to starting a relationship with them? I think that it comes down, like you can't not acknowledge the, the reason why you know them and they don't know you. But, if, but you can do it in a way that's just sort of like gets it out of the way. You know, the whole phrase of the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Like if you just start yeah. with that, then it's, 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 it's done, right? Like, um, I don't know. Now I'm not saying like, okay, I'm trying to think back. I, I once met Dan Aykroyd, the, the actor, and, and I really didn't have much more to say than I really liked your movies. <laughs> but at the same time, if the conversation had gone on, that was out of the way. <laughs> it didn't particularly go on, but it wasn't really in a setting to go on. Um, but I think just, acknowledging right off the bat like not trying to i think maybe some people fall in a trap of like not knowing what the person's going to think like like especially if it's someone who's famous or famous you know broadly famous or famous in your little niche world like you kind of have some sense of like i know who you are and you don't know who i am you know you're the one and i'm one of the many and if you can kind of just get by that fact because it's usually just one thing that puts that role between you then beyond that you can just be like oh so you know what was it like getting there you know I, I've gotten where I'm at and I know what that took so what, what, what must it have been like for you so maybe, maybe that maybe it's empathy for the fact that uh, their success doesn't necessarily or success in your eyes doesn't necessarily equate to contentment and success in their eyes and so whilst you know maybe a lot of people are looking up to them they may themselves be still struggling in their mind or imperfect or you know so i think i think just not presuming that they've got it all figured out and they're happy and and their life's just rainbows and and yours isn't goes a long way because i suspect that now i will say also that i think a part of it is that a, a lot of people don't do this so you can be a refreshing breath of air if you just have that humanity um, you know, not being a sycophant or not being all sort of like giddy. I suspect you'd be sort of a statistical anom- anomaly and therefore immediately more interesting. Ah, oh, James. <laughs> I wish I talked to you first before um, I met someone f- I-, I think is famous anyway. Um, so is it okay if I actually share with you what happened and then we can kind of do a role play of some sorts of um, sure. or, or kind of or almost like you can critique 
critique the meeting because I'm I think I have this problem like I get all starry-eyed and I get all fangirly and I know that some people like it and I know some people really don't and so basically mm. um in October I went to San Diego and I met um Laura Belgray for the first time mm. in my life and she has been an incredible mentor along the way of my whole business journey because I actually joined the Copy Cure which she um created with Marie Folio back in mm-hmm. 2015 so that was like what four or five years ago and so she's been like a huge role in my journey and I was freaking out <laughs> when I saw her <laughs> I mean I shared this in um, an email newsletter, actually. And basically, I was there on a second row. She was there on the front row, not sitting on it because this was like break time before the event started. And so she was standing like next to the front row and in between the stage as well. And so I was, I looked at her and I was like, oh my God, it's Laura Belgrade. And then, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, has she ever listened to this? But um, yeah, and then my friend Crystal was like, go over to her and say hi because she saw that I was like hyperventilating in my seat because I was like should I meet her should I not like she's been an amazing um like mentor to me sort of thing and she was like go say hi and so I plucked up the courage and then when it was like my turn because she had a couple of people um, speaking to her and then I'm pretty sure that I kind of said a very long sentence without breath (laughs) and then just I think she was a little bit shocked of um, the speed in which I was speaking. So I was just saying things like, it's like, hi, Laura, my name is Maykay. Okay, not, I'm saying it more calmly now because we're on an interview. Yeah. Because I want our listeners. Sober second thought. Five years of of thinking about this one meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So basically the premise of the conversation was like, hi, Laura, my name is Maykay. And I just want to say that I really admire your work i've joined the copy cure in 2015 and has really led me to where i am today so i want to say thank you so much um so that was i said that but a lot faster and probably a lot more nervously (laughs) but what blew my mind afterwards james is that she already knew of me she may have not known me personally like we didn't have like a lot of like strings of conversation or anything the occasional comment on social media and reply to her inbox but I didn't realize that all of my podcast guesting like all of my appearances on podcasts actually did catch her attention at some point and she knew of me so she she said I know who you are and I was like what (laughs) (laughs) and I didn't know how to eloquently handle the conversation Mm. (laughs) and I like Laura like bless her heart she was so sweet and very she was like oh girl you know don't worry about this um like fangirly stuff like that's the kind of energy she gave me it's like don't worry I'm just a human like you and Mm. all that so I love that about her and I'm sure that not everyone is going to be as forgiving let's just say if I get all flabbergasted next time Mm. (laughs) and so I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. Like, what could I have done better? And um, I mean, like, again, Laura, she was great. And thank goodness for her reaction. Um, I did not expect that at all. And I just want to be able to understand what it takes to kind of like get off on the right foot when you meet someone who you do admire and to equally respect them as well as treat them like a human Um so that you open up the opportunity for you to have a sustainable relationship. So 
I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this? And feel well, free I, to harsh with this. <laughs> no, okay. So first of all, I'm sorry. I thought that in my head, I got it confused that this meeting happened five years ago. It didn't. They launched oh, the no, Copy no, no, Cure no. five years ago. The yes. meeting happened more recently yes. since you've done podcasting. So just to get that out of the way. Uh, but I, I think you were perfect. It sounds like you were perfect because you were exactly you in that moment, right? True. You know, and like, so that's kind of, that's, that's why it's a, it's a, I don't know. It's a skill, but it's also not a skill. It's the absence of skill. It's the absence of like um, persuasiveness, I suppose. Like if you, if it's calculated, if you're like, I'm going to be like this, I'm going to say like, now obviously there's some, you know, you might purposely, you might know something about yourself that you're trying, like a habit, let's say that you're trying to get rid of. And that, I don't think that that makes you uh, non-authentic. You know, if you always, twirl your hair when you talk to people and you want to stop like that that's different right that's like you and you you versus you mm. <laughs> but it, i i think that like that is how you felt about her and your your genuineness in saying it that you clearly came across I, I was thinking also while you were saying that that i think a large part of it is so there's a couple of two main things one is the whole idea that there are a lot of fish in the sea there are a lot of there's just a lot of people and you don't need to be friends with all of them and you don't won't be connect with all of them and um what is that the people who matter don't mind and the people that mind don't matter that, mm-hmm. right yeah. so like i think you know if she had dismissed you for your fangirliness then <laughs> then that would have meant that you you weren't even a a good uh a good match there was no need to connect, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like I can connect with any person in the whole entire world. I think part of it is just that I'm real. I'm good at like sussing out. Yeah, we're on the we, we're on the the same general wavelength. Um, and I think also part of it, like what you wanted, was really to just express your appreciation for her. Yeah, you didn't have anything to offer. You weren't trying to like <laughs> no. get her to big up your podcast or anything, right? Like you, you didn't have anything that you wanted. So all that you wanted was to express your admiration, and you did. So I, I think it's perfect. Um, oh, right. And I the fact that she knew you is cool. Um, yeah, that was. I'm surprise. not surprised. You, you, you definitely <laughs> are. You have a unique um, voice and image and, and brand out there. I'd say so. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And I think it's cool too to think that like these people who you don't know how many thousands of emails or tens of thousands of people are on their in their sort of scope that that like she did know who you were and so you're like oh yeah I don't know you know when people say like I really answer all my emails mm-hmm. you know how people oh, write she that definitely in does she definitely does so right there's some people uh, Roy Fur is a person I thought of I'm on his his list he's a great copywriter uh, breakthrough marketing secrets and he very earnestly asks for responses and, and the few times I've responded, he's gotten back sometimes with a question and we've had like a back and forth. And I think maybe that's a bit of it, like sort of taking people up on their, Mm. on their, their claims of openness, (laughs) you know? So yeah, I don't know. I have no critique. I think you did it perfectly. Um, (laughs) Well, thank you. That means a lot coming from you, especially because I've seen you in action uh, connecting with people and for you to say that that was okay. And I think you hit the nail on the head there that because I didn't expect anything, 
because I purely just went up to her to kind of express my gratitude for her work and how it's impacted my life. I think, like, I don't think anyone would reject that. <laughs> would kind of be like, no. oh, you know, don't thank me. <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> well, they mind if they have their own their own thing, but that would be their own sort of thing going on in their head. That's. But I don't think know. I follow people like that. So no, <laughs> exactly. I'm safe. But thank you. I appreciate that. And um, that that's a good note for everyone who's listening right now. That if you want to talk to somebody, then just talk to them. Like, because James is right. They are just another human being and they are someone who's impacted your life in a positive way. So let them know that because there's something that I call the impact iceberg, James. I'm not sure. I've, I don't think I've ever shared it actually openly, okay. but the impact iceberg is just like it's a spinoff of the iceberg theory. You know how you see the most at the top, sorry, at the, you see a little bit at the top, but that's the majority <laughs> yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. So I call it the impact iceberg that the above the surface are the people who do reach out to you. They are the people who respond to your emails. They, you know, they sh- give you shout outs on social media. They send you voice messages or videos. They let you know that you've impacted them. Mm. And the vast majority of people never will, or rather they are not at that totally. time when they feel ready to. Cause I know that there are so many lurkers in the communities that I'm in. And sometimes when I connect with them one-on-one, they tell me how they aren't ready to kind of put themselves out there yet in a community and it surprises me but then I realize that my view is different than theirs and so I feel that there are so many people who are still in like under the surface with Mm. the impact but it doesn't mean that the impact didn't happen it just means that you don't know about it yet so and I think that is the case for a lot of people so my dear quiet rebels if you have come face to face with somebody who you do admire please give it a shot just just you never know. It takes thirty seconds of insane courage. Um, I think that comes from the movie. <laughs> Have you seen the movie uh, We Bought a Zoo with Matt? Damon? I haven't. It's, no, it's, a it's the second time it's come up in random situations in the last two. Seriously, days, so. the universe oh, is trying to make me watch it. Do please, please watch it. It's a brilliant film, <laughs> and that's um, a one quote, or rather, like a one action step almost from the film that I apply to a lot of things in life. It's just literally, if you're scared, just be scared for, you know, 30 seconds, but have the courage to try at least. And this mm. is definitely the case when you are meeting someone who you admire. Absolutely. I, I was thinking about it as we were talking about this. So in the case of someone you admire, mm-hmm. um, you have something to say to them. Like there was someone that you followed, sorry, Laura, but you had like specific things to say, like gratitude, genuine thanks for your work. There's other people that you know are famous, but you don't actually have a direct connection. Connection to, right? Yeah. Or you know, or whatever. I mean, like we're using the word famous, but <laughs> I'm picturing like at a conference or something. So yeah. it's like internet famous. Um, and I think that that, that would be the moment where it's a little harder because you don't mm-hmm. want to thank them for something if you genuinely don't have something to thank them for, but you also don't want to pretend that you don't know about their accomplishments. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think that's, that's where you can be more of on, on an equal footing of thinking of in that case, I would be just think of them as like another person at the conference or, mm. you know, that kind of thing. That's, that's, I'm really glad that you brought this up because suddenly for the rest of this interview, I also thought like, hey, how about we just go through different scenarios? So that was like a warm scenario 
of someone who you do admire and then how about we do a cold version and then we do like a peer version <laughs> and see mm. what the difference is and what are the commonalities between them as well so if you like have you met somebody who is either famous or internet famous but you didn't have that prior connection to like have you had that experience before and if so how did it go yeah so at the copywriter club in real life event in new york this past uh whatever it was april march last year march. last year let's just say yeah. last year and um, you know the guy paris lampropolis yes well no of him right so that was the same as me the same scenario i suppose as you but yes yeah, very was. very a-list copywriter yes but i'd never read anything by him and i didn't i'd never seen him speak or i just i just knew that this was a guy that people like rob and kira mm. held highly but we ended up at the same table as each other um, and he obviously, I think, is the same of the same mindset because I, I noticed like he took notes on everyone's presentation. He didn't think he was, you know, too far advanced or mm-hmm. uh, above taking notes or something like that, um, which I thought was super cool. And I also just I noticed him talking to anyone, including me. You know, he wasn't he wasn't looking out for the important quote people to talk to. He just was having conversations. and. Um, sort of observing that from across it, there were these big round tables observing that I, uh, I felt confident that we could talk about whatever random thing, you know, like, so I, I find, so this is my answer to that is then you talk about something that, you know, you share in common with them, like what you, what was just said on stage or mm. what you're eating or how the weather is or <laughs> how far did they travel to get there that day or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Like that's that, that, I feel like that's, and that's where that whole, like, how about that local sports team? But I just don't use that because sports ball just. <laughs> go, go, they were, uh, right well, I just immediately get in a conversation. I wouldn't be able to follow through on. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't set yourself up into a trap. <laughs> yeah. And like, not, I'm not talking about just like purposely and, and inanely making small talk because you know, the person's someone to talk to, but, but don't have anything particular to say. Um, so maybe that's part of it too, not forcing things, mm. you know, like, I think that's probably what drives celebrities mad is that all these people feel like they must take a picture with them or they must talk mm. to them because they're aware that they're famous, but it's like as person to person, their lives are not connected in any way. Mm. And so like all those people exist all the time and you, you don't have to rush over and talk to everyone just on the grounds that they exist and you know who they are. So some sort of. That's deep. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I think about, um, I haven't watched this yet, but I recently saw someone comment about the Netflix documentary of Taylor Swift of how she's been, you know, in show business for so long now. And it's kind of like, I got here and now what? Mm. And I think about that and how lonely it could, probably be because you're held so highly by the public and yeah. it kind of feels like you can't be yourself so it's probably like a breath of fresh air actually for mm. people who are typically you know highly regarded to actually have someone who would just speak to them because they are them not because of what they've achieved yeah 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 i often think of and i don't even know if it's 100 percent true but like john lennon and yoko ono i i my my sort of imaginary take on them getting together is that she didn't really know who he was. Mm. And I don't know if that's true. So, you know, whatever, fact check it, but I'm sure 
<laughs> but I can imagine yeah. a scenario where you're one of the Beatles in the 60s and like you literally can't go anywhere without screaming mobs of people. So mm-hmm. you can't have a normal conversation with anyone except for other celebrities. Yeah. And then you 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 find yourself in the depths of Japan in some little mm-hmm. store. And here's someone who just treats you like a customer and doesn't even know who you are. Mm, must be refreshing. How could you not fall in love? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're the only person that's talked to me this year oh, that actually wasn't, yes. you know, mm-hmm. overwhelmed by me kind of thing. That's interesting. So, I wonder what it's like on the flip side. But I think it's probably harder. It's probably yeah. easier. I think it's probably easier uh, this way around because, like, you can choose not to have the conversation. But if you're the if you're the, the one to the many, you kind of can't choose not to without being seen as a complete, you know, ungrateful mm-hmm. jerk. Yeah, I, so. I saw that you tried to censor yourself there, like not to swear. <laughs> no, no, no. I was trying to think of a good word, but jerk was the best I could come up. With. Oh, I thought of much more colorful language, but I don't really curse at all. No, no you only <laughs> not have that explicit rating on the. On yeah, the podcast, no, right? this, is, this is not going to be E rated. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. So that's what it's like for someone who's quite prolific and who you don't really have a connection to. And how about we finish off with the most common, which is when we meet people who are like on a similar level to us, I suppose, like we're of the same caliber of business. And so basically any fellow attendee at a conference, and I keep referencing conferences in these scenarios because this is often where we do network the most and when it can be a bit more nerve wracking because when mm. you network online, you can choose when to read that message or not or open that email. Yep. But when you're actually face-to-face in real life, then it can be a little bit more nerve wracking because it's not as common as online networking these days. So tell me your experiences and um, any lessons we can take away from these experiences um, of when you meet people who are just like you. And how do you like create those connections? Because we are like, we can actually use our own like meeting as an example, if you want to, but like, yeah. (laughs) I think, I think part of it is, is just the mindset shift of always remembering and believing that the person that you are thinking of talking to that you see over there that looks interesting is also at a, so it's all context dependent, but in the case of conferences particularly, and like, that's where I've met. 95% 95% of the people I've met in the last five years, you know, I don't do much else. I stay, I work from home. And then every now and then I go to conferences and meet a whole bunch of people. So in that context, I think it's just, it's just a simple reminder that they're all there for the same reason. Mm. And like, it's you're so by being the person to approach, you're doing them a huge favor because now they don't have to. Mm. Um, I mean, you can read the room, right? Like yes, if someone's sort of, clearly trying to get away from it all or they've got their head down in their phone (laughs) yeah well like don't interrupt someone that's that's clearly yeah read their body language yeah yeah right (laughs) but i mean if someone's standing around a food table or sort of you know watching a larger group conversation but not partaking in it that kind of thing you can you can give them you right yeah. you give them you as as a as a person to talk to and that's it really i mean you know there's like that like you just said about that you know there's 30 seconds of fear or something like it's it's not that, that i don't yeah. feel the anxiety and like there's the chance that they reject me or think mm. i have some devious intent with talking to them but like 
that's on them. And once you just believe that, then you'll find it. I've had like almost nobody who wasn't willing to to start talking. And especially at a conference, especially if we're talking to um, entrepreneurs, the simple fact of like, what do you do? Which is sort of like a really maligned <laughs> intro opener in the nine to five set, because it's like, I don't define me by what I do. But for us who've decided to freelance that that world of people what you do kind of is the definition of who you are because you've chosen from a myriad of options to do this one thing and so i think what do you do is is fair game (laughs) what do you do and how do you do it or something or what's your company name and like the minute someone tells you one little tiny detail don't you have a bunch of questions that immediately spring to mind like Mm. if it's their business why why did you name it that or when did you start it or what was your um best experience so far what do you hope to get out of this conference like that yeah that's that's a good one yeah so yeah like sort of walk around like you're just basically constantly podcast interviewing people and you'll be great Mm, yeah people love the chance to talk about themselves (laughs) that's true it's just asking the right questions that make them want to talk all right that's that's really great advice. And what I love is that it's so simple, but so easily overlooked because we often do let the nerves and the anticipation of meeting new people get the best of us and kind of like make us not want to try at all. But I think the mm-hmm. common thread between all three scenarios that we shared today of being like the cold or warm meeting a prolific person versus someone who's more regarded as a peer is to find the commonality between you and to be mm-hmm honest and um and like if you have genuinely something nice to share then share it but don't force yourself upon them <laughs> yeah oh gosh james this is such a good conversation because um <laughs> i actually haven't been to tcc irl which for those who are in the audience right now that stands for the copywriter club in real life and it's ran by our mentors rob i keep meshing their names i kept i keep saying rob hug <laughs> And Kira, Kira Marsh, but it's actually the opposite round. It's Kira <laughs> Hug and Rob Marsh. I keep merging their names. And yeah, they're running it this year in San Diego. I'm so excited. And it's the first conference I've been to that I probably would have had like six month break since my last conference in San mm. Diego again. And that one was at Amy Porterfield's event where I met Laura Belbray. Nice. So I think. You're getting a do over. Yeah, this is like a. Well, if Laura comes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i think i feel so much more at ease knowing that it's just that simple so thank you very much mm. for sharing your wisdom today oh, well i always enjoy chatting with you and i and i i hope it helps yes it really does and i think because yeah. there are so many conferences on this year and very good ones so it's like now we just have a very simple toolkit of whenever we go to a conference to strike up genuine connections and conversations with interesting people (laughs) Mm. Mm. okay so let's start wrapping it up so i'm really i love the way that this conversation happened i I didn't even think that we would cover the things that we have but i think it came together really nicely and i think that's just again this is just proof that when anyone connects with you that it's just so natural where the conversation flows so I think mm. you've represented yourself very well here, James. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as we're wrapping up the end of this interview, I've got a couple of questions for you. So right. number here. one, I know we haven't 
manage to go as deep into it, but I know that you work on something called Snap Copy and also the fact that you are able to create relationships very fast and very real ones as well that it helps you in your business. So do you want to give a quick rundown of what Snap is and uh, where to go if someone wants to learn more about you? Sure. Uh, so snapcopy.co is the website and we are an on-demand conversion optimized copy shop. Uh, I co-run it with Leanna Patch, who is a, another great copywriter um, at punchlinecopy.com. And um, Leanna and I actually met in Joanna Weeb's mastermind, her first mastermind, Joanna Weeb, the original copy hacker and the original conversion copywriter. Yeah. And she, in fact, started the company Snap back many years ago. Uh, and it was through our connection and through conversations like this that she was shutting it down because it was just too overwhelming for her because her she's just touches anything and it turns to gold. So <laughs> all of her, every, with all the success, she didn't have room for more success. And uh, it was through a conversation of just earnestness and, and honesty that, that she was, she gave us the, the opportunity to take, take over snap from her. Basically um, it closed for less than a year, I think. And then we reopened it. Uh, under new management, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So, so right off the bat, like the, the very fact that I am uh, co-running Snap comes from being myself, having conversations, connecting with people. Um, but so, what we do is we have a credit-based service, so people buy a bunch of credits, and then they can use them as they need to get like a headline here or a Facebook ad there, or hey, can you optimize my landing page? Because what we are finding is that uh, conversion operators like us have long waiting lists. And sometimes people would need short jobs and they're kind of stuck either paying lots of money to have a retainer copywriter that they may or may not use every month or trying to like find projects for them um, or having no copywriter and having to either be at the mercy of people's wait lists or, or going to like Upwork and rolling the dice there. So we feel like this is like this perfect, it's like, it's a way to get quick access to top quality writers and the people that we have a, a few writers uh, who write with for us now as well as ourselves. Uh, we review every project for sure going out the door. We are the, we um, scope all the projects coming in the door. Sometimes we get other people to write the larger ones just so we can keep our project flow going. Um, but it's all people who you wouldn't be able to have, you know, as little as 48 hour turnaround on our, on our one credit jobs. So oh, we, that's, so that's kind of the value prop. And it's good for me. And I'm realizing that it's a, it's a great business for me because uh, I get to connect with more writers. I get to connect with more business owners than I would have just as a one-on-one -on -one consultant. Like my, I, I think it's the benefit of scale, I suppose, is that I can do the thing I, I love more, which is connecting with people and, and getting excited about working together uh, and then not have to then spend three months locked down in one Mm. that's that's really exciting and i just thought about it and you need to develop quite some trust in order for someone to say if they're in the middle of a launch and they need you to quickly review like an email that's going to go out you know in the next mm. couple of days that they are trusting you for such a important job to optimize their email for sales and so i think that's awesome because as you know i've been a copywriter myself and i know that like projects like this can take like two months <laughs> two three months and so for the <laughs> fact that you can do it in such a quick turnaround and with you know top-notch quality because you guys are trained in conversion I can imagine why that is such a 
it's such a great solution to what so mm. many people go through. So I'll definitely put your links in the show notes for those who want to see what Snap is like and to maybe try out a couple of credits. So thank you so Sweet. much for sharing that. And also I've got two final questions for you. Okay. So number one is what makes you a quiet rebel? Because you've been on the show today. Um. I love the name. I think it's perfect. I've always kind of identified with being rebellious. I, I don't like following the herd. Um, and yet I'm not uh, a yeller at public events type of person. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm that kind of person who tries to have quieter conversations so as not to disturb people in restaurants, mm-hmm. which sometimes I think I could live larger than that. But, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm a private person, but I have strong opinions. And so I think that that makes me a quiet rebel. I, I want the world to be a nicer, truer place. Um, but I know that it can only be done one-on-one for me anyway. I'm changing that. one person at a time. Yeah. And that makes a big difference because one person can impact many. So mm. I'm so glad that you resonate with the Quiet Rebels, what we stand for. So thank you. And thank finally, you. I was so going to ask you this earlier in the interview because like, we were so close to this question naturally, but I had to save it to the end. So when, like at the end of every podcast episode, when my audience hears this noise, that means it's time for a fact of the day. So when you mentioned about kind of like sharing like a weird detail about you or a fact about you. I so wanted to ask you for yours and now is the time. So is there a weird fact about you or a fun fact about you that we easily or rather we can't easily find online, whether it's the website or social media or getting to know you, like what's something that only we can know? It's kind of a funny fact. I guess it's kind of more of a fact about my son, but we named our, our son James Samuel Turner because I'm James Edward Turner and I come from a long line of James Turners. And I didn't want to be the guy that broke the chain. I didn't want my son to get older and be like, what? Why was I not good enough to continue this, <laughs> the this legacy. legacy? Right? I didn't want to be that person. And at the same time, I also just really like the name, but we also didn't want to be all confused in our house all the time. So we named him James Samuel Turner, but we called him Sam. And mm. so he was... We used his second name and he's six and a half now. And earlier this year, uh, actually, while we were in New York for TCC IRL, uh, he decided that he said, you know, guys, most people go by their first names, don't they? We were like, yeah, yeah, most people do. He's like, I want to do that too. So my son at the age of six has changed his name. James. James. So now in our house, there's young James, and my wife graciously calls me youthful James. (laughs) Great wife. (laughs) That is very cool. Uh, Do you think he's going to carry on that tradition if he has a son? He's told me he is. He's told me he's going to name all of his kids James Turner. He doesn't know. (laughs) Even if it's a girl? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He thinks we should all change our name to James. That's that's yeah, really so cool. There's my fun fact. Of um, James Turner's in your family. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. That's very cool indeed. Okay. You've definitely ticked the box there for the fun fact of the day. So James, everything that we mentioned in today's interview, I really hope that it's been super helpful for our audience. And I'll be sure to pop all the links that we mentioned in the show notes as well for people to connect further with you. So we've got Snap dot co do you have any personal oh sorry sorry snapcopy.co thank you for uh correcting me and anywhere else on social media can we connect with you um i'm at j turner creative Mm -hmm. uh on all the other things things. 
all the things yeah, at J Turner creative all one word on, on all the things. <laughs> okay. Um, and James at snapcopy.co. Um, mm-hmm. Your email, yeah. right? <laughs> That's the email for yes. James at okay. snapcopy.co Perfect. is my email for, for snap. And I mean, yeah, reach out if you want to talk about like not writing and not business, but just how to talk to people. I'm here. <laughs> I can do that. I'd love that. Yeah. You definitely position yourself as an expert in this interview today. <laughs> for that for sure so james it's been an awesome pleasure to have you on to the quiet rebels podcast today and i'll be sure to put all those links that we just mentioned to ethically stalk you on social media as well as snapcopy.co as well for those who want to check it out and to see if they want some quick turnarounds and fully optimized copy sounds great thanks so much for talking today thank you thanks for having me on the show wasn't that awesome i mean seriously i did not expect all of this to happen so as i mentioned in the introduction as you can see the conversation steered very naturally into the point where we were doing introduction critiques and things like that and you can see how much simpler and easier it actually is to build these connections in such an authentic way I mean, we put so much pressure on ourselves to kind of have the perfect pitch, like the, f- the perfect 10 second introduction to make sure that you are perceived as the expert you want to be seen as and all of that kind of stuff. But in fact, it can start off so much more simpler than that. And that takes the pressure off of you. And that is what I really hope that you take away from this conversation today with James, because he honestly is a master at this. You can feel that it's so intentionally unintentional of how he chooses to connect with people. And I really hope that you can take on board some of his tips and tricks in today's episode for when you attend your next live event. But other than that, that's it today. So thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. And I'm super excited for next week's episode as well, because my special guest talks about how to make a bigger impact as a small business owner. And, you know, normally when I have a guest on the show, we talk about some strategy and things like that. But every now and then, I do love a good inspirational episode. And I walked away, like after that recording, feeling super, super inspired. And I'm really hoping that it does the exact same for you. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And to do so, be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already. So that way you do not miss a single episode. And something that I'm starting to do at the beginning here of 2020 is to actually introduce some bonus episodes and you can be notified by them if you are subscribed to the podcast because there are some things I just want to keep super special for my quiet rebel listeners. So if you want to be in on that, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Alrighty, so that's it for me today. Thank you so much for joining us and I can't wait to be here with you same place at same time next week. Okay, bye for now.